Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. I'm Baron Bremner, and today on Joint Effort, I'll talk to Joey Brunkhorst, expert in sports medicine, about cartilage damage and cartilage repair. You have an interesting background in your training, including doing D1 sports and also armed forces, true? That's correct. Um, can you tell us kind of where you grew up and, and you know, where you came from? Yeah, so I grew up in Iowa Falls, north central Iowa, small town, uh, played four sports a year there. And then after that, I went to Iowa State, and that's where I was on the track team. Um, I high jumped on the track team, and then after Iowa State, I went to med school. Uh, and then after med school, my internship was in the Army. I signed up for the Health Promotion Scholarship Program. Okay. And so they paid for my schooling for the med school. Did you have people in your family that were in the armed forces too? I had uh, no? an uncle and some cousins. Okay. Um, so a few people, not a lot. Mm-hmm. But it was always something that kind of interested me. Um, up to that point, I didn't really have the opportunity with the, the track and other, yeah. other stuff going on. So, um, so I signed up during med school. And then I, after med school, after I graduated, I did my internship in the Army. And after my internship, it was three years as general medical officer. And did, did you get to travel like overseas or just I did. Domestic? So I was stationed, my internship was, I was stationed in Augusta, Georgia, Fort Gordon. And okay. then I went to lower Alabama, Dothan area. It's uh, Fort Rucker. It's the home of Army Aviation where, it's all the, where all the helicopter pilots train. And so I did a flight surgeon course there. It's just a six-week-long course to kind of help learn how to take care of pilots and mm-hmm. just the abnormal atmosphere that they're in or abnormal environment that they're in. Um, and, but along with that, I was able to do, I didn't actually fly the helicopters, but I went up with them and got flight pay, which was, was fun, mm-hmm. good experience. Uh, so I was there for three years, but the middle of the year, I was deployed to Iraq with the 25th ID, the infantry division out of Schofield Barracks in Hawaii. So um, I was deployed to Samara, Iraq for mm-hmm. 12 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, what years were those that you were in the military it was, the, it was the military for 06 to 2010 deployed from okay. in 08 09 area and now are you like um kind of on call for them if something happened so, or? Uh, when you sign up you pretty much always sign up for eight years so i did four years of active then four years of irr it's individual readiness readiness reserve okay and um the irr you don't really have to be to do the weekend once a month mm-hmm. eh, or the mm-hmm. two two weeks a year, it's just you're on a list somewhere. It's like the last thing before a draft. So they would okay. so during those four years they would draft me before they draft you type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, after after my four years of that, I just resigned my commission just um, to prevent that that threat of deployment. Mm-hmm. Sure. So. And you and your family are now living in Ankeny. We are okay. Yep. And how many kids do you have? Two girls. One okay. just turned ten yesterday, okay. and then the other one is seven. What do you think about the? Um, you know, there's a new, new-ish relative to our other buildings, but we have a new uh, DMOS building up there. When did that go in? What do you think about that? What has it got to offer up there? That went in um, about three years ago, and um, that's when we had our grand breaking ceremony. I think in May of that year. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice facility. There's four pods, but we have. Um, plenty of room for a number of surgeons there. So right now we have pretty much every specialty with an orthopedics, or the, ba- the main specialty is covered. Mm-hmm. So sports with me, foot and ankle, joints, mm-hmm. uh, spine, hand. Um, and we also have a physical therapy department, an MRI machine, x-ray. So we have uh, pretty much everything we need up there. And urgent care too, And correct. urgent care clinic that we started about a year ago, over a year ago, and then uh, we're just, just expanded this month. A lot of the sports surgeries and things that you do are 
people go home the same day. Can you do them up there near our office, or where do you put those surgeries? Yes, uh, so next door, or just down the street, within 200 yards, is the UniPoint Medical Park, right on 36th and Ankeny Boulevard, so just on the north side of town there. Um, within that Ankeny Medical Park is the um, surgery center. So in that surgery center, that's where I do most of my surgeries. I'm there every Tuesday, every Friday, okay. and so uh, it's, it's really handy. Okay. Well, let's get into the meat of the topic here and talk about cartilage. Um, you know, we walk easily more than 5 million steps a year. And, uh, you know, how do our knees handle this? And, you know, what is cartilage and that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, so cartilage is kind of that, uh, sometimes I describe it as like that shiny stuff on the end of a chicken bone that people see. Mm -hmm. um, it it uh, allows for nice, uh, smooth articulation in, in any joint. Um, as when that, and when that starts to break down, that's when you have arthritis. When you start to lose that cartilage, that's arthritis. And there's... Um, What's the difference between arthritis and like injuries to the cartilage things like that you know I guess the injuries sometimes the injuries are kind of I mean in, in a way can kind of consider early arthritis but there are certain times when younger people have a, a specific injury to a piece of cartilage where it breaks off mm. uh, there's different reasons for that sometimes it's like a direct blow to the cartilage and that piece will break off and that requires you know surgery otherwise um, you know you have arthritis because mm -hmm. that cartilage is mm -hmm. missing um, maybe before we go on to talk about treatment of this, is there anything that people can do, oh, like a supplement or some kind of lifestyle choices that they can make to keep healthy cartilage? As far as there any evidence that shows that any of that stuff is helpful? Well, so, yeah, there's different factors go into arthritis, right? So one of the biggest things is genetics. You can't really uh, yeah. do much with that, right. unfortunately. But there are things that kind of um, can contribute to arthritis. Are you saying you don't like your parents? You'd like to choose Some different? people probably would oh, say okay. that, yeah. Right. Not me, though. No, uh, so, uh, but some people will have increased risk from, from their genetics or their parents. Mm -hmm. um, but then past trauma, like we talked about, you know, possible sports injury yeah. to the area can cause yeah. early arthritis. Um, weight can cause increased weight, can mm -hmm. cause more pressure on that, mm -hmm. can cause arthritis. But as, as far as... Uh, you know, doing things in as far as supplements, things like that, it's really hard to treat arthritis. And we've tried a number of things through the years, and we're still trying to, you know, to come up with new things to help um, kind of cover that gap between where we can do, you know, surgery to, to help correct arthritis, um, uh, cartilage loss, and total knee replacement. Um, some things we've tried in the past is like um, hyaluronic acid and um, uh, pills, mm -hmm. and, uh, or glu glucosamine. Um, chondroitin, those pills you see over the counter, and uh, the results aren't that great on that. And so typically, in our, our academy, orthopedic academy does not recommend those pills anymore. What um, about for like a teenage kid or something? If a 17-year-old said, "Hey, I'm taking glucosamine and shark cartilage and uh, um, some kind of cod liver oil supplement to protect my knee from these sports injuries," is there any evidence for anything like, like that works or no? I haven't seen any, and, and a lot of times I'll just say, you know, if it works, that's fine as far as what they feel, but it's it's probably just a waste of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in addition to the cartilage that you said, the shiny cartilage on the end of the bone, there's another type of cartilage in the knee, at least, called the meniscus. Can you describe that? Yeah, so the meniscus, or I usually describe them as two C-shaped cartilage structures, a little bit different than the hyaline cartilage of the end of the bone, and it's a little bit softer, but it's a different type of cartilage. And it, um, the properties of that cartilage is um, kind of some cushioning. It's a, they act as chondroprotective, meaning they help protect the rest of the cartilage, but also provide a little bit of stability in the knee as well. Okay. So they're kind of shock absorbers, um, but they also, especially in somebody who might tear a ligament or something like that, they 
confer some stability or restraint Correct. to the knee joint. Um, so there's we talked about uh, hyaline cartilage, which is a shiny cartilage on the end of the bone. And then we talked about fibrocartilage, which is the meniscus. And uh, if we have time, we'll get into meniscus tears. We've already talked about them a little bit on another podcast, but might talk about meniscal transplants or something like that. But um, why don't we talk about now, um, you know, a cartilage lesion, not an arthritis-type lesion that you might just get over time, but, you know, you might be a 12-year-old kid or a 21-year-old and you've had a maybe a twisting injury to the knee and now we get an MRI because your knee is swollen and there's like a piece of cartilage missing from the end of your femur bone. Um, does the size of that lesion matter as far as what your treatment options are? It does. The size, as far as the area it covers, the location of that um, defect, and also how deep it is, all kind of factor into what needs to be done, if anything. Sometimes you can, sometimes you might be able to treat some of those non-operatively if it's more of a non-contact uh, area or area that doesn't see a lot of uh, articulation. Um, and, and besides the injuries, there are also uh, you know lesions called OC lesions where just a lot of times what we're, what we're seeing is it's caused by a repetitive stress or like an overuse injury. We didn't know what it was for a long time, but it seems like they usually occur in people that uh, are very active, so it's more of an overuse type of injury. It's called an OCD, osteochondritis desiccans, and that's where a piece of cartilage and sometimes in the bone as well can kind of start to fall off. Mm-hmm. And in kind of layman's terms. And correct me if I'm wrong, those are better prognosis if the patient's very young compared to older. It is, yeah, because they have more growth uh, yeah. growth um, potential. What, what did you mean by um, the prognosis or the treatment options are different based on the location of the lesion in the knee? So um, a lot of times if it's more on the very periphery of the knee, just kind of where the cartilage is starting to turn into normal bone, and it's a small lesion, it may not have much effect and, and uh, maybe I'll just treat that non-operatively mm-hmm. some of mm-hmm. those locations. Okay. Um, one of the initial uh, treatments that uh, was developed to hopefully bring new cartilage into that area is microfracture. Can you tell about the limitations with that and the benefits of that and yeah. what it is? Yeah, so microfracture is uh, when, you kinda, when you lose a, that cartilage, you, you scrape off the, the whatever's left and get to the calcified area or the right above the bone and then you drill or punch some little holes in the bone. That promotes some bleeding from the bone, and then over time, um, you develop fibrin cartilage, a different type of cartilage, which again is better than no cartilage, but it's not as good as the hyaline cartilage that you normally see. Um, and that has some benefit. The problem with that, though, is it, uh, we, the benefit only seems to last a few years. We don't see a long-term benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like you know, eventually that they may need to have something else done. So it may be a good temporizing procedure mm-hmm. at times, um, but it's not the best procedure. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's there's one class of athletes that they that shown do really well with that. It's alpine skiers. But uh, mm-hmm. besides that, there's not a lot of great research in, in, or studies that show benefit in other people. Can you do that on the patella too, or just on the end of the femur bone? Nope, you can do it on the patella. I, um, it's not as, I mean, you don't tibia as well. It's not as common. Yeah. And you need to do it if it's only like unipolar, I mean, on one side of the particular surface. If you have both the tibia and the fem- f- uh, femur, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. Um, do you do, do you restrict them pretty much after that? Or do you, you know, the initial treatment was put them in a CPM, non-weight bearing, six weeks. A CPM is a bending machine. Do you do that or do you just, do you have a little more aggressive protocol now for that? A little bit. I, I, I do. I think CPM machines are very good for articular cartilage as far as trying to, 
um, treat uh, these procedures. And it's a machine you put the leg on and it bends it up and down. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I usually partially limit their weight brain, but I'm a little more aggressive, a little bit more aggressive than the conservative treatment of non-weight for six weeks. Okay. So that um, hole, or I, call, I consider it a pothole, you know, as opposed to like arthritis where it's worn down diffusely through mm -hmm. there. But if you find a pothole in there and you're thinking about doing microfracture, is there a um, certain size that you know, in square, in millimeters or whatever, and how big it is. If it's bigger than that, you're not going to do a microfracture, that sort of thing. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people vary their um, what they do with that. I think you know the bigger is probably not very good. Mm -hmm. uh, the bigger mm -hmm. lesion is not going to mm -hmm. respond as well. And I and actually I don't do a lot of microfractures because the uh, again, the studies don't show a lot of benefit over just doing a chondroplasty where we kind of roughen up and mm. clean off the mm -hmm. cartilage. And it, and it seems like they do just as well or very similar. And, and when we get to the point where we need to do more, there's other procedures I prefer over mm -hmm. the microfracture. Well, let's talk about that. Um, other, another couple of options would be, um, you know, harvesting some cartilage from somewhere else in the joint and with bone or doing some kind of cartilage um, inlay type technique. Can you tell us about those different options? Yeah, so there is um, an OATS procedure where you take uh, cartilage from a different piece of the part of the knee. What's that stand for, OATS? That's osteochondral autograft transplanta or transplantation. Okay. Or transfer, I should say. Um, so we take a little piece of the cartilage from a different portion, again, like, like the non-wave brain or mm -hmm. the cartilage where it's not being as affected by the articular surface as much, and then put that over the lesion, so you're trans transferring the lesion, or transferring that piece of cartilage to the cover of that lesion mm -hmm. where the defect is at. Uh, and so, pretty good, good results of that. You have to limit your post-op weight bearing, um, but the, the size of the lesion is really limited as well because you, you can't take a big piece of cartilage from another spot in the knee because you're gonna run out of cartilage. So again, those are smaller lesions. Um, and then, after that, if you need bigger lesions, there's a couple other procedures that how, I do. Like how big? How big would you say is good to do a plug? Probably, uh, you know, probably one centimeter in diameter, 10 millimeters. After that, then you have to kind of do a couple plugs. So you take one, one centimeter yeah. plug from somewhere in the knee. Yeah. I always tell my patients, this kind of reminds me of like doing a, a golf course, you know, when they change the hole yeah, for the correct. putting. That's good. You know, it kind of looks like yeah. that. And then that's what it looks like. You've got the layers, you see the cartilage and the bone and the... Mm -hmm subchondral bone and then you tamp that into the new spot it's kind of a neat thing yeah so in a, in a larger area or for whatever reason maybe you don't want to violate the subchondral bone um, tell us about the next things that you consider so there are some um, off-the-shelf stuff that uh, cartilage that is being used I'm not using that quite yet because I don't see you know the research isn't proven as well as some of the other procedures that I use which would be a Macy procedure the um, one that you use is the Macy. The Macy, or the osteochondral allograft. So the osteochondral allograft procedure is similar to the OATS procedure as we previously described, but instead of taking that plug from the, the native knee, the knee that we're working on, we take it from a, a cadaveric knee or donor, donor tissue. Um, and with those, you can use pretty large plugs. I've done uh, up to 22 millimeters or two centimeters. Um, and I've seen other ones that are bigger than that even because you can take a couple plugs, kind of mm -hmm. make it look like a snowball, um, and put that in there. So and do you take it from the same area on that cadaver? Like, do you get a whole cadaver femur and take it from a similar area so it's got the we same do. contour? So in order to do that, you have to match it. So we use x-ray and MRI images from the patient. We match it, and um, a, 
um, get that um, donor. cadaveric yeah. or donor mm-hmm. bone. It's usually like half of the femur, like a whole femoral condyle. And then in the surgery, we take out the the lesion that we have the defect. We pull that plug out and then match it with a new donor and then put a plug back in. Mm-hmm. That's cool for a bigger lesions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the the um, Macy that you were talking about? So the Macy is the autologous chondrocyte implantation. It used to be called ACI for the autologous chondrocyte implantation. And that's been around for about 40 years or so. So I mean, you're holding on to me. What's the M now? So the, the M is the matrix. That just started okay. about three or four, about four years ago. And that's something new. So the matrix, uh, the ACI, which started in Europe, and I think they started doing in the 80s or early 90s. Uh, again, they've got a lot of good research on that, is where they, where we take a cartilage biopsy, so it's a, a staged revision. A lot of these cartilage procedures are staged revisions. Two surgeries. We do initial surgery, take a look at the cartilage, see what's best for the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then for the, if we're going to do an ACR and Macy procedure, we'll take a biopsy of that cartilage. That little piece of cartilage looks like you know, about two Tic Tac sizes of piece of cartilage is sent off to a lab and then it's grown into cartilage cells. Those cartilage cells, again, we used to inject those cartilage cells into the, it's an open surgery, but we'd uh, inject it into the knee, underneath this layer we sewed onto the knee, or onto the femur. Mm -hmm. So it took a while. Um, Now it's a little bit easier because those same cells are placed on this little uh, matrix, or kind of like a sheet of uh, tissue and then that is glued onto that lesion uh, again during that same that open procedure, which is the second second surgery. So how um, how long does it take to, to grow that cartilage in the petri dish? It takes about uh, six weeks to grow it up to grow it, but we can keep it around for five years. So there's no definitive time like mm-hmm. we have to do it a certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, as, for, as opposed to the uh, the fresh frozen allograft where we get the donor tissue, th- there is some time constraints on that. Okay. We have to find the tissue, and then there's some kind of time constraints on that. But we can keep those cells for up to five years, and then if if the patient you know wants to determine a certain time, or if he, she does he or she does well from maybe the chondro, chondroplasty or microfracture we do, um, but then develops some symptoms two or three years later, we can do the sur- surgery then. Okay. And then the problem with that procedure, not the problem, but the one issue about that procedure surgery is it, it does a long recovery. Okay. Because you got to make sure you don't shear that off that you just right. sewed on. So it has to grow in and, and the mm-hmm. cells have to mature. And it just yeah. takes a long time for that to mature. It takes about 18 months for full maturity of that. But it's not like we're limits you, limiting that patient for 18 months either. Okay. Um, so on the patella, like if you dislocate your patella, and I just had a patient today that I needed to reconstruct their patella because it was dislocating. Um, for those people, if they shear off some cartilage and they're not doing very well, is uh, Macy or similar pretty good for a bigger patellar lesion? Yes, it is. I mean, initially, sometimes it's hard to... Patella's uh, the kneecap. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. sometimes it's hard to get certain um, of these surgeries approved, but they are... Um, with insurance. With insurance, mm-hmm. yeah. But they are um, being more receptive to these type of proce- these procedures in this area as well, in the, gotcha. the patellofemoral joint. But that is a possibility, and I've done a few of those as well. So for somebody who, um, you know, that's a, for the two-stage procedures, certainly it's good to use your own cells and things like that. You alluded a little bit to off-the-shelf things that would be, you know, ready to go in one stage. I know there are some that use some juvenile cells that you can implant, things like that. What are your hopes with that? What are your concerns with that sort of a treatment for 
cartilage injuries? Well, a lot of times with these, it, it, it's really hard to do really good research. And some of the research is just, you know, in the early stages. So we don't have a lot of long-term research on it. So I guess that'd be one concern um, as, as to using that as opposed to the ACI, which, again, has been around since the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So that'd be one concern. Um, we don't know, I guess I don't know much about the viability of those cells or, um, you know, if they're if they're frozen, do they... How, how what their I guess their viability is mm-hmm. after that. Okay, um, and then we you know at DMOS we have a uh, orthobiologics or regenerative medicine type department. Is, is there any role um, for those type of things like bone marrow or uh, platelet rich plasma or anything for healing of cartilage defects? Do you know? Yeah, I think there is, and again the research is all over. It's just because it's so hard. There's so many variables that go into that type of stuff, so it's hard to research. Mm-hmm. And, and there is more and more research coming out every day, so there's good potential there. Um, you know, real briefly, we talk. We'll talk about meniscus another time. But uh, if you do have a you know, meniscus that's gone for some reason, either it was trimmed out surgically or totally pulverized and destroyed in a young person who has an otherwise mm-hmm. pretty good knee. Um, can you tell us about meniscus transplant, and do you do those type of surgeries? I do, and it's a very uncommon procedure. Uh, I think the studies show that there's less than 2,000 per year versus like ACLs, there's over 200,000 uh, per year. So it's not a very common procedure. Um, but it's, it's kind of similar to the oats where we take a donor tissue, um, and it comes in um, as the whole meniscus, usually attached to the bone, and you trim, you, uh, there's different ways to do it, but the way I do it is you take a bone plug, and then you... Uh, make that same like a tray or a trough in the knee to fit that the bone plug will fit and then put that in the knee and then you have to sew the meniscus and then you have to sew the meniscus in as well how so many stitches a, do you have to sew like back and forth with that sort of thing you know probably at least three or four mm-hmm yeah um, well certainly a lot of exciting things in sports medicine now there are I mean um, I think it's it's never growing field as far as the different th- options we have to offer it's, it's a lot better now than it was even five or ten years yeah. ago just because yeah. we're learning new things and there's new techniques there's new uh, um, ways to do things I, I talked to one of your um, partners Paul Butler and he told me that you're kind of a gentleman farmer now or a doctor farmer is that right well I did grow up on a, out in the country and so we raised animals my dad grew up on a farm he was a family medicine doctor but uh, he the farm never left him and and, um, and I, I still enjoy a lot of the the country life so uh we do have uh we live on acreage we have some chickens and goats yeah do you hire out your goats yet to clear brush for people and stuff like that no we you've heard about that though we, right yes yeah. and actually um i had almost had someone do that for us because we had so much uh it's like a jungle at our place and it had poison ivy everywhere yeah so and i'm very sensitive to poison ivy and i just yeah. need to get rid of it so yeah. uh we thought thought about doing that but then we ended up just getting two goats of our own we, we started with two and uh we had uh, a female just give birth to two babies this summer. Oh, nice. So we're up to four. That's awesome. And your kids' ages now are? Eight, a seven and ten. Oh, they've got to love that then. They do. Well, Dr. Brunkhorst, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us about cartilage injuries, meniscus injuries. Uh, I know I learned a lot today, and uh, hopefully our listeners, listeners will too. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Joint Effort, a podcast from Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. If you have questions about this podcast and wish to schedule an appointment with a surgeon, call 515-224-1414 or visit dmos.com.